I don't really want it on. Okay. Yes, it is. Good morning. I can tell. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, Genesis, if you would, chapter 7. We'll, we'll jump over to chapter 7 here. Uh, and continuing on the life of, ultimately on the life of Noah, we're stepping into chapter 7 and the flood is going to, going to occur. And uh, as we know, the uh, Lord has seen the wickedness of man that is great upon the earth. And he is going ahead and uh, is bringing judgment. And uh, he's, we talked all of last week all uh, on Noah and the preparations of the ark and what the Lord was doing and the great salvation he was bringing uh, through the ark and using Noah and his family and what he was doing uh, as he preserves uh, life on the planet so that he can bring judgment to the rest of the planet. Uh, and we get into chapter 7, and uh, of course the end of chapter 6, I will read this, uh, chapter 6 and verse 22 here in Genesis, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Chapter 7, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast... Thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him, and Noah was six hundred years old, when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Uh, and so here's Noah. We'll pause there just for a moment. Uh, but here's Noah, and Noah has uh, built the ark as he was commanded in chapter 6. He builds the ark, and the Lord tells him in particular, and we talked a little bit about this last time, uh, but he tells him in particular that you're going to take seven pairs of clean animals, right? Seven, the male and his female, that's seven pairs, all right? So 14 clean uh, and then uh, two pairs of unclean animals go in, and that is for the preservation of life. That is for uh, the preservation because ultimately here in just a little while we'll see as well that uh, Noah goes ahead and he makes a sacrifice of the clean animals. And so that's why the Lord purposely uh, had the extra of the clean animals, obviously because of purposes for, uh, for one, they're going to be sacrificed. And so obviously you need to multiply those out quicker then you do the rest. So uh, that is the preservation of life that the Lord has set up and what he is doing. And so we talked a lot about that last time, and we won't get into too many of those things. Uh, but uh, we'll go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll talk about the flood. And I'm not going to be able to do justice to uh, all of it in its entirety. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit in uh, simple terms, a little bit about what happened and why and how. So let's uh, have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the day and thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're a merciful God and you're gracious to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are an amazing God and you saved to the uttermost all them that will trust in you. And so, Father, I do pray that you would help us this morning as we open the Word of God. Uh, give us wisdom, give us light, help us to see. Father, I pray you'd be with our pastor. You'd strengthen and help him as he's not feeling well this morning. 
you'd encourage and strengthen him even now. Father, we pray you would bless the Sunday school hour as well as the services today. You would put your hand upon everything that is said and done, Lord, between the songs and the preaching and the teaching. And uh, Lord, things happening over next door with the kids. And we pray that you would just be honored and glorified today. We pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Uh, so here we are in Genesis chapter 7. And uh, of course, they're all in the ark. And notice, uh, first of all, uh, we'll back up a little bit to verse number 4. Uh, the Lord goes ahead and gives them, in verse number 4, he says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Uh, he says, hey, you got seven days from this moment right here. Uh, I'm not going to get into the reason why seven days is amazing, but it is. Uh, he gets a seven-day warning that God is going to bring rain in seven days. Now, this is particular, of course, because in Genesis chapter 2, we know that it's just a mist that comes out of the ground and waters the earth. Uh, so this is something that is completely going to change. This is nothing normal uh, according to what the world was dealing with at that point. Uh, this is going to be a major change to the earth and to its atmosphere uh, as well as uh, just an amazing change that the sky is basically falling, right? right? The idea that the sky is falling. Rain is going to now fall from the sky, and that has never happened before on the face of the earth. And so he's getting ready, and he wants to prepare him for the judgment that is going to come. Uh, the preparation is seven days, and we're going to go ahead, and we're going to have a judgment that's going to start. Uh, God always prepares man when he's going to send a judgment. Always. Uh, God does not just bring judgment without letting somebody know that judgment is coming. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how merciful he is to you? He goes, hey, you can keep going that direction, but if you do, I have to do these things. Uh, judgment is always, he always predicates, he always puts in first. He goes ahead and he does the preposition of, hey, I'm going to go ahead and let you know what's going to happen if you continue down the road you're going. He looks at Noah and he says, hey, you've got seven days to finish up. <laughs> you've been building the ark for 100 plus uh, years, and now I'm going to let you know you've got seven days to go ahead and get the animals in. We're loading up now. Uh, it's loading up time, right? Uh, anybody who's, who's taken any trip with you know, any, any sort of weight behind it, right, Brother Viscom? Uh, right, you load up to do what? To make sure you're prepared for the trip. And so you've got a checklist and you're working your way down. Lord gives him a checklist. Says, hey, you got seven days to finish up. Finish up, right? Uh, if, you, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna get in, it, you got seven days and we're closing the door and it's all over with. We're gonna start the rain. And so the Lord makes sure he understands that he gives you uh, on one side, he gives you uh, the answer of, hey, guess what? Uh, judgment's coming. Be prepared. Judgment's coming, so you better be ready for that. And he also gives assurance that, hey, I am going to do the thing that I said I was going to do, even if you've never seen it before. Uh, God, nobody's ever done it like that before. Yeah, but I'm going to give you assurance. I'm going to do it that way because I said so. Uh, that's the, the world's mentality versus God's mentality. The world's mentality is, I've never seen it before, and seeing is believing, so I must, I must have to wait until I've seen it. God's answer is, no, you've got to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm telling you this, and so you need to believe me. 
Uh, Abraham believes God, it was counted to him for righteousness. You and I believe God about salvation, and they go, well, you know, you just can't trust, how can you really trust the book? I mean, you haven't seen it be true. The Lord tells you how to live your life, and the, and the world says, no, you need to do this, because uh, this is better, and God says, no, you need to do it this way, because I said so. Well, which one do you want to believe? Well, it's either going to be the one who's going to bless you and has control of everything, or it's going to be the world's mentality, and God can't bless it. It's one or the other, and the Lord always can give you assurance that you're doing the thing he wants you to do even when nobody else understands what you're doing. Uh, you look around at a world and they look at you and they go, wow, you're crazy, I can't believe you would. And we go, I can't believe you wouldn't. <laughs> That's the difference. And the Lord always tries to reassure you. You know, uh, well, how can you possibly know that you're going to heaven? Well, I don't know, you only got 30 verses probably on it. Uh, to let you know that you can know you're going to heaven for all of eternity. Uh, but, well, I mean, can, can a man really know? Well, of course he can. Well, you're just arrogant. No, I just believe what the Bible said. That's, that's two different standards right there. The world has their standard, and God has his standard. And it's which one you're going to follow. And the Lord always reassures. Over and over again, he reassures. He's reassuring Noah, hey, build an ark to the saving of your house. Go ahead and build. All right? Why? Because I'm going to make it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and we're going to drown the whole place out, and if you're not in the boat, you're going to die. Okay. Hey, Noah, by the way, I know it's been a while since I told you that I was going to do that, but I was giving you time to finish what you needed to finish. Seven days now. you got seven days, just so you know. Just checking in, letting you know. Time, time's coming short. I won't get too far into this, I promise, because I can't. But... Uh, the Lord will give you some assurances. Amen. Time's coming short. You look around, time's coming short. Uh, all right, well, time's coming short, so finish well. Now's not the time to slow up. Now's the time to push down and, and bear down and get it done. Uh, if you think time's coming short, there's no reason to slow up. That's the reason to finish and to finish well and to finish strong. Uh, the Lord, I have fought, a, or uh, the Lord says it's finished. Paul says multiple times uh, that I would finish my course with joy. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Uh, we ought to finish. Noah here, he finishes. Uh, he finished the ark. He did all that was commanded him. So did he in verse number 22 of chapter 6. And here in this chapter, verse number 5, uh, Noah did according to unto all that the Lord commanded him. He finished. He did his job. He did what the Lord asked him to do. Uh, the rain is going to come, and it's going to come for 40 days and 40 nights, just like God says it's going to. Uh, and we're going to go ahead. Let's read, let's read a section of this. Uh, I, don't, I didn't want to read the whole chapter, but I may. I don't want to take too much time. But uh, Verse number 7 is where we left off here in Genesis 7. And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were, the fountains, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And the selfsame day uh, entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, uh, and Noah's wife and the wives and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. 
they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth in 150 days. And so uh, the Lord goes ahead and he does exactly what he was going to do. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights, he goes ahead and uh, he opens up uh, the heavens. Uh, the great deep is broken up. Uh, some think that is waters below the earth. Uh, others, like myself, go ahead and put that to water that is all the way out in the universe, uh, at the ends of the universe, uh, capping the north and south ends of the universe, the waters. Uh, and you can look at the deep and so on. Uh, the Lord talks about the face of the deep being frozen in Job in different places. We talked a lot about the deep in Job, so I'm not going to do a lot right here. Uh, but the Lord pulled water. Uh, how do you put water enough to go, and notice what he said about it, 15, 15 cubits, so about 25 feet above the top of the mountains. That's how much water he put on the face of the earth. Amazingly enough, every, every major people on the earth, every major culture on the earth has a story about a universal flood. Everybody does. Almost as if, you know, it happened. Uh, universal flood. Amazingly enough, the, the geological changes alone uh, would amount to how you end up with all the fossil fuels that you and I have, what are deemed fossil fuels, uh, why we have the mountains the way that they are in the valleys and the erosion and the timetables. And they look at the timetables and they say, well, this rock's got to be like six billion years old or whatever, you know, and they're just making stuff up anyways. Uh, but, you know, they're going through all these things and, well, you can't get that that quickly. And how do you get that? You get that by God changing a universe uh, and changing particularly the atmosphere and the way the earth works. Uh, obviously, without rain and without precipitation falling from the sky, you and I do not have the same environment that they would have had. That is just simple. Uh, before the flood and after the flood, the changes that must occur are very, very huge. You talk about climate change. There it is right there. This is climate change. Eventually, we'll get to global warming, but uh, we get them both. Uh, we do get them both. I believe in both of those things. Maybe not the way that some do, but I do believe in both climate change and I believe in global warming. And both of them were great and catastrophic to the earth. I, I, well, one was and one is going to be. Uh, and they're absolutely right. They're absolutely right. We are, it is going to destroy the world. Uh, the problem is they think they can stop it. And, 
there's nobody is stopping it. Uh, but I'll get to that later. Uh, everybody, uh, once again, uh, if you ignore that the universal flood happens, you distort all sorts of things that have happened in geology as well as, I mean, how do you explain having, having fossils on every mountain on the world uh, from sea creatures? How do you, how do you get that? Uh, without a catastrophic flood where water goes 25 feet above the highest mountain peaks, uh, you don't have that. Uh, if you'd like the numbers on how quickly it rained, I'm going to turn that all over to Brother Getman. He crunched all the numbers back when I was in high school. And so I'm going to let him go ahead and figure those numbers out again for me. Uh, it's great. Um, but uh, he's the man. Uh, but you go ahead and you go ahead and put that, put that amount of water out. Uh, it is an unbelievable amount of water that has to fall from the sky. Uh, and the idea that Noah had a localized flood that he was getting out of, why wouldn't the Lord just tell him, go somewhere else? Uh, isn't, that, isn't that the answer he gave to uh, Jesus' parents at the time, right? Doesn't he tell, doesn't he tell Joseph, uh, hey, uh, go down to Egypt? <laughs> why? Because Herod's going to go ahead and have every, all the kids under two killed, so I need you to go to Egypt for a minute. Okay, why didn't he just do that with Noah? <laughs> hey Noah, move. Why? So I can kill everybody. Well, that doesn't work. He would have just done that. That's a whole lot simpler. Isn't that a whole lot simpler than having it rain for 40 days and 40 nights in a local area? And he wouldn't do that. Instead, the waters prevailed across the whole earth. That is what it does. And he destroys the the, uh, all those who have the breath of life, every man, woman, and child who does not get into the ark, everyone, all the land animals, the fowl, all of this shows the devastating consequences of choosing sin. Well, God is a loving God. See, here it is. God is a loving God, and He wouldn't do that. How could He put somebody in hell to suffer for all of eternity? He destroyed an entire world because of sin. You don't think there weren't children? You don't think there weren't women? You don't... Those, those poor innocent, they weren't innocent. The problem is mankind wants to think that they're innocent when mankind is not innocent. And since Adam and Eve took fruit, mankind is not innocent. And God is a just God and he is a pure God, and he is a holy God, and he has to bring judgment. If he doesn't bring judgment, he is no longer a just or a good God. Now the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Because he's good to us, he allows us space to repent, and he gives us time to repent, and he doesn't bring judgment against us so quickly so that we have time to figure it out, and we have time to turn to him, and we have time to do all those things. Noah is a hundred years building an ark, and the world mocked him. Seven days they have to get into a boat, and still they don't get in. Oh, but they're all innocent. They're not innocent. They're not innocent. You realize before, before Noah showed up, there was a preacher of righteousness, Enoch, that showed up. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Telling them how wicked they were and their ungodly deeds, which ungodly sinners have ungodly committed. 
and preached to them about a judgment that was going to come. And still they ignore it. A world likes to ignore. And then they go, well, God is, God is so good and He is so loving and He is love, so He must... No. He must not overlook. He has to bring judgment. Because a loving God must bring judgment. They don't understand what love is. Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He's got to bring judgment. Why? Because he does love. And I could go on and on. But if they weren't on the boat, they do not escape the judgment because they did not do the thing he told them to do. It is a command. This is how you know, this is ultimately, wonderfully, this is how you know dispensations occur. Say, what is that? That God dispenses truth and mankind has to obey that truth and that truth is not exactly the same for every generation. That truth is not exactly the same for every person that's ever lived on the planet. You know that because it's very simply seen throughout the Old Testament. Adam and Eve did not have to trust in Jesus. They had to not eat the fruit. They had a command. They didn't do the command. Noah has a command. Build a boat. If you don't build a boat, you're not going to be saved. He builds the boat. Okay, get in the boat. If you don't get in the boat, you're not going to be saved. Anybody who wants to can get in the boat. It's very similar to our salvation, but they got saved for a day (laughs) and a time and a choice. Old Testament, obey the law. Okay, you can obey the law. New Testament, well, we've abolished the law. (laughs) Jesus Christ took care of that. The commandments and the ordinances, he took that out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and he said, okay, I took care of the law for you, now you just trust me. That's a whole lot different than an Old Testament. Every dispensation, though, is all about believing what God said and doing what he told you. You have to figure out which message was yours. That's all there is. And here's Noah, and you know what his message is? Get in the boat. (laughs) Build a boat, get in the boat, and I'll take care of the rest. Praise the Lord. He took care of that for us too. He goes ahead and takes a cross, dies for our sins, pays the ultimate price and says, "Uh, get in with me, trust me. I'll take care of the rest. That's it. You're spared the judgment that everybody else is about to have. Isn't that amazing? Anyways, I could go on for that forever about that. We get into chapter 8. So 40 days and 40 nights, the rain comes. The judgment has started. The judgment is not stopping. That is an unstoppable judgment. Mankind has no control. Uh, no matter how far they go, they will not escape the waters that are falling that for those 40 days and 40 nights. It is inescapable judgment. That is God's judgment on sin. It is inescapable. You won't get out of it. Somebody has to pay for it. Judgment always has to happen. Our salvation, you're saved in here. The answer is that Jesus Christ took care of the judgment. He took 
He took our punishment in our place, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, so that our judgment doesn't have to be that judgment. He took our judgment, our, our pain, our punishment, the things we deserved, and he goes, I paid for that. And so the Lord goes ahead and gives us eternal life. That's how we get it. That's how we get forgiveness. The exchange made him sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the exchange. And you get to chapter 8 and verse number 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. And the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of the forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into, in unto him into the ark, and he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off uh, the earth. Uh, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry in the second month. On the, seventh, on the seven and twentieth day of the month was the earth dried. And here's Noah and... Uh, the, the ark has been going for 150 days floating around and God goes ahead and he starts this wind up and uh, the ark, of course, uh, comes to rest upon Mount Ararat, which uh, is uh, in Turkey. Uh, it's believed to be in Turkey. Uh, they wait 103 days until they saw the tops of the mountains. Uh, so don't worry, we'll get to all this math here in just a second. Uh, they wait 40 days after this, and Noah goes ahead and sends out the birds to see if things are going. Uh, after waiting on the mountain for 220 days, they will end up going forth. Verse number 16, the Lord tells them to go forth. 220 days of waiting on the mountain, so a grand total of 370 days. 370 days in the ark. That's a long time to sit in a boat. <laughs> I don't rightly know they ever wanted to be on a boat again. Um, 370 days. Uh, by the way, I'm going to slide this in here. It's not in, not in their notes. But uh, you, look at, you look at the uh, how specific the Lord is on his dates. Uh, the Bible is not, is not a religious book. It's really not. It is a history book. Names, dates, places, events. That's a history book. You say, well, 
I mean, it's religious. We, we use it in church. It's God's history book. It lets you know what has happened throughout history, and in fact, it is history for all time because it gives you the future history and events. Because to God, history is finished. He's already written it. And so the book is a history book. And so that's why he gives you all those dates and how much time they were there and all the, all the amount of time that he waits. And, and the, I mean, how specific he gets. Who cares that Noah was 600 years old in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where the fountains of the deep broken up? And Who cares? <laughs> well, the Lord cares. He wants you to make sure that you know when that happened. And so he laid it all out. And he makes sure you know how long they were there. And you make sure he, he wants you to know. And the world doesn't care. By the way, i got to hurry. But by the way, uh, you know what the world is, is telling kids in public schools now? That history doesn't matter. Your history doesn't matter. It's all about now. Now you and I should know why that's dangerous. One of the greatest quotes is, the thing that men never learn from history is, that men never learn from history. So you destroy their history to do what? Make it so they don't know anything. Say, why, why do we have a Bible? Well, the things that are written aforetime are written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope we have history and you have a history book from god to make sure you don't repeat the same mistakes everybody else repeated you can learn from the mistakes you can learn how to do it right as opposed to doing it wrong the first time every time you can learn to do it right over and over again before you ever make the mistakes that somebody else made the idea that well you know we're just going to erase history you, you can't erase history. It still happened regardless. And you can try and rewrite it if you'd like, but God has a better history book, and it's always going to be right. And I'm going to get all fired up and angry, so we're just going to move on. And so the Lord lands this boat, and you know what happens. He sends out the birds. Uh, the raven, he flies around for forever till he gets what he wants. And then uh, the dove, though, flies and comes back and then flies out and comes back and flies out and comes back or doesn't come back the last time and uh and so on and they know and uh, you get down to verse number 15 and god spake unto noah saying go forth of the ark thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy son's wives with thee bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Uh, out they come. And we could read all of uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9. I won't for the sake of time this morning. Uh, but Noah goes ahead and out they come. Now Noah could have left the ark earlier, right? Uh, he waited seven more days after he could have gotten out. He knew it was dry. Uh, the dove didn't come back. We can get out. But he waited. He waited for the command of God. Isn't it amazing that you and I can learn very quickly uh, to wait on the command of God? 
We are impatient people. We want to do what we want to do. And the Lord goes, no, you just got to wait for me. I'll tell you when it's better to get out. I'll tell you when it's better to leave the ark. I'll tell you when you need to make the move. You just wait for me. Be ready, but wait for me. Noah's ready to get off the boat. I'd be ready to get off the boat too. 370 days. I'm done with this. Get me out of here, right? And the Lord says, you just got to wait for me. And the commandment comes, and they step off the ark. And the commandment comes, and uh, it is, of course, to go out of the ark with his family, all the animals, everybody, uh, and the animals are going to go ahead, and they're going to uh, breed abundantly, and they're going to go ahead and multiply, and they're going to take care of that portion. Uh, it reminds us that uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, that the Lord is going to take care of all the needs. He's still taking care of the needs. He took care of the needs for 370 days on the boat. He took care of the needs for 100 years plus before that while he's building the ark. He took care of all the needs coming off the ark and going ahead and making sure provision was already made. The Lord goes ahead and makes sure that all provision is taken care of. Uh, the first thing that Noah does is in verse number 20, he goes ahead and builds an ark, or an, an altar, I'm sorry. Already built the ark. Uh, he's building an altar onto the Lord. That's the first thing he does. He gets off the boat and he builds an altar. Uh, in case you're curious, not really the best of ideas to build an altar on the boat. All right. So you wait until you get off the boat to build the ark. Amen. Um, and, er, to build the altar. And so here he is. I keep saying ark. Good. Help us. Um, and so you know what he does? He goes ahead and he makes a sacrifice immediately. The world would go, that's dumb. <laughs> we have endangered species right here, don't we? And you're going to kill some of them just to go ahead and show God that you still love him and appreciate him and thank him. Yep. The world never understands your sacrifices. And they shouldn't. Doing that goes ahead and makes sure that God understands how important and how special it is to go ahead and make a sacrifice to Him. Sacrifices always cost. You have that woman with the alabaster box full of ointment, most precious. She breaks that box and pours it over the Savior. And everybody's going, well, that could have been sold. That was worth a lot of money. Well, what a waste. Noah, why are you wasting all those animals? Oh, no, it's just a sacrifice. Because he's worthy. The world never thinks he's worthy. That's why the world isn't worthy of him. And that's why they don't love him. But that's why you ought to love him. And that's why you ought to make the sacrifice. Noah and his family are commanded as well to be fruitful and multiply. Verse chapter 9, verse number 1, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Same command given to Adam to multiply and replenish the earth. I won't get into all that. But uh, these eight people are responsible for replenishing the whole human race and going ahead and restarting. Uh, our family, 
amazingly, the family tree of everybody on the planet goes back to right here in this spot on top of a mountain. Amazingly enough, if you're a Christian, you're born again, your family started on a mountain. It started at Calvary. Where the salvation type, Jesus Christ, and an ark landed to make salvation. Saved alive and preserved forever. There it is. God goes ahead and he makes a covenant with Noah uh, in chapter 9. It starts in verse number 2. and After he tells him the command in verse number 1, he tells him that uh, the beasts of the earth are going to fear him. Follow the air are going to fear him. Everything that moves upon the earth, it's all going to fear man. Uh, instinctively now, mankind is uh, ultimately, the animals are, also, are, are all instinctively afraid of man. Uh, three and four, verses three and four, now you and I get to eat meat. Praise the Lord. Uh, but not the blood. That's, the, that's part of the command. The command is no blood. And so... Uh, that gets into all sorts of other things, but man is not allowed to eat. Uh, they could eat the flesh of animals, but they could not eat the blood. Uh, on top of that, verses 5 and 6, you have uh, government handed over to human, human government. is now Man is now responsible uh, with capital punishment, in verse numbers, verses 5 and 6. Uh, God gives human government the power of, of going ahead and uh, taking a life for a life now. Uh, it's handed over to him. Before it was, right, Cain and Abel, his blood cries to me from the ground, the Lord takes care of the punishment. Well, now it's man who's supposed to take care of the punishment. By the way, that still hasn't changed yet. Man is still supposed to be in charge of taking care of that punishment. And uh, sadly, people have lost the idea of consequences for their actions. We live in a world with no consequences. We live in a world where uh, if, you make, if you make a terrible decision, you do the wrong thing, well, you know, I mean, let's just keep giving them another chance. And uh, you, go, you go now to a corrections facility. They're corrections officers. And we rehabilitate. No, you're supposed to punish them. It's supposed to be a punishment to them. It's not supposed to rehabilitate them. The punishment rehabilitates them. But now there's no punishments. You sit in comfort. You sit on death row for years. Well, because, ex because judgment is not executed speedily. Okay, well, what's the problem? Uh, nothing speedily anymore. I am all for, uh, you say, say, you're crazy. No, I'm all for a good firing squad. Quick and simple. Do it publicly. Public hangings are pretty good. Yeah, I'd take those back too. You say, why? Then people understand there's consequences for their actions. They've been taught that there's no consequences. Well, we'll bail you out, and we'll fix it, and we'll pay for it, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll just, we'll just let you continue. And if you're a nonviolent offender, we'll just let you out. There's no punishment, no consequences. And then, and then they look around and go, well, I don't know why God wouldn't bless us. Because you're not doing your job. Civil government is supposed to take care of that. But anyways, I'm going to get 
Let me get back into this right here. Uh, once again, part of this covenant is found in verse number 11. Uh, and he says, And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Uh, the Lord makes a promise, and the promise is that he won't destroy the earth with a flood of water. And that's a promise he is going to keep. Now the token of that promise is found in verse number 12, which is a rainbow, right? Uh, 12 and 13. He says, uh, this is a token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And uh, notice he makes it as an everlasting covenant in verse 16. And you realize, I, I think this is amazing. The Lord is the one, he put it in the sky not for you to remember he put it in the sky for him to remember. Because when he looks down, he may be ready to destroy it. And he goes, made a promise right there. <laughs> Aren't you glad the Lord puts things to, remember, to remind himself? Why? Because his anger might wax pretty hot at one point, and he may decide he wants to wipe the thing out again and go, nope, I made a promise. I can't do it that way. Now, the the world has perverted that. They've gone ahead and taken that and they flaunt it in the face of God as if God can't bring judgment against them. No, God can't bring judgment of floods of waters to, to destroy the whole earth. But He can bring judgment. And He will bring judgment. And He does bring judgment. In fact, I already mentioned it. We're going to end with this. Go over to 2 Peter chapter 3. And I shall be done at least for the moment. And then i got to switch gears in my head and try and preach here in just a moment. But uh, 2 Peter, if you would, you know where I'm going. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse number 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and all the, and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The Lord says, all right, I gave you climate change the first time. <laughs> I will give you global warming the second time and I will destroy the entirety. Mankind thinks they can get out of the judgment of God. They always want to. And God said, I made a promise I wouldn't destroy the earth with a flood of waters. I did not promise I would not destroy the earth again. The promise was not that he would not bring judgment. The promise is that he wouldn't bring judgment in that manner. And mankind thinks they can get away with whatever they want to get away with. The day and age that we live in right now has zero regard for God. They have zero regard for the fact that they're accountable to anybody. 
most of that has to do with the education system that they've been brought up in, and they've been taught that they aren't, they're just an animal like everything else, and so because they're just an animal, they get to live by animal instinct. Whatever they want to do, they do. Whatever they feel like taking, they take, and whatever they feel like doing, they do, and whatever they think has got to be right, and so they've got to go ahead and do that. Nobody can tell them that they're wrong. Truth is relative, and it's all based upon whatever you think or feel at that particular moment, and opinions change, and thoughts change, and truth changes. And that's a bunch of foolishness. But they've been encouraged to think that they're important, that their opinion matters, and that because their opinion matters, that it must be great, and that you can do no wrong, because why punish you? can't do anything wrong and then you wonder how you end up with a world where you can go ahead and uh, well if you want to be a boy today you can be a boy today and if you want to be a girl tomorrow you can be a girl tomorrow and we'll go ahead and we'll let you do all the things you want to do and whatever you think and whatever you feel that's just it's got to be good and I have to accept your psychosis remember something I'm going to say this remember this just because somebody else is crazy doesn't mean you have to go along with them. Well, they won't like me much. Okay. I don't like them much. But, uh, well, I love them. Absolutely. And if you love them, does that mean you don't do the right thing? Does God love the world that he created. Well, he made that apparent, didn't he? Does that make his judgment against it not valid? Nope. Does God love you? Okay, is his chastening hand lessened because he loves you? Or whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth? If there are no consequences to get them to realize they're doing it wrong, that is not loving. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Without it, you are left with anarchy. Without it, you're left with a world that God wants to flood. And He's already covered it with water, and He's going to melt it with fire. And just because mankind doesn't like it doesn't mean it's going to change it. And they can try to flaunt their sin in God's face, but all it's going to do is bring about a judgment that is going to be something nobody on this planet could ever stop. And it will be just, and it will be true, and it will be righteous, and God wants to be merciful and gracious. You realize the verse right before where we started reading is verse number 9. Here in 2 Peter chapter 3, where the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then he goes, but the day of the Lord is going to come. Judgment's going to come. He doesn't want to bring it. He would much rather have it so that mankind has an eternity with him and that things are fixed and that everything is great, but mankind doesn't want it, so God's going to have to bring judgment. 
And you and I are in a day where we look around and we know this day right here, trumpet's coming quick, this day is coming quick. You and I will leave the, leave the earth and it will be left in the hands of, of the Antichrist and his crew. And then shortly after, the Lord will come back and he'll reign for a thousand years. And then at the end of a thousand years, it's over with. Time's up. You and I don't have much time. You and I don't have much time. And a world doesn't need us to slow up. Lord's going, hey, seven days, flood's coming. Noah, time to finish. You got some time to finish. Maybe the Lord's telling you today, hey, you got some things you got to get done right now so that we can finish. Trumpet's coming. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercies. I thank you that uh, we could be here this morning, and I pray that you would help this to be an encouragement. Lord, that we don't have long left on the earth, and uh, help us to finish well. Lord, once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory this day. I pray if someone comes in without Jesus Christ as their Savior, they wouldn't leave that way. They'd call upon the name of the Lord today that they would have salvation for eternity. And Lord, once again, we pray you would bless our day, be with our pastor, continue to encourage and strengthen him. And we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Take a break. Take a break.